Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, April 3rd, 2023. Today on the Ether, the console AMA. Let's take a listen. Welcome. What's up? This is WWW Console AMA every Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 2 p.m. Pacific Time and also 12 a.m. in Australia. I have no idea. Uh, What's up, everybody? Happy to be here. Uh, Every week we have a console AMA where we chat about decentralized social media, future of sovereign identity, and other nerdy, amazing things that we are learning about and trying to build together to make uh, user-owned internet, also referred to as Web3. Um, Very happy to be here. We have a great crew. Uh, Hi, everybody. (laughs) I'm just looking at everybody's faces. Um, Evan, great haircut. Again, Titus, great to see you. Today, yeah, I'm going to start the little episode show uh, together, uh, just giving a few updates up front. And as always, just, you know, we'll jump into some conversation. Last week, we had a special guest, Nakamoto One, which is sending Bitcoin to the moon for a scavenger hunt. Um, I think Hey Moon by John Mouse, the opening song, which I love, would have been a really great um, song. So (laughs) playing it this week, (laughs) I was like, ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think Ian from Nakamoto might be joining us at some point to give us a bit of an update on how the Nakamoto community and console and how everything is going. And um, yeah, they had a really big week, actually. It's been really exciting. So hopefully he'll join us at some point. We'll get some updates from him. Uh, and the Nakamoto crew. And uh, otherwise, um, I see some great, great faces. Um, I don't usually cold call, but I just wanted to say we have a nice, um, so far, pretty small group. So if anybody wants to come up on stage, um, tell us either what you're working on, what you're excited about, or any questions. I'd like to love to invite some new fresh faces. So um, no pressure. Maybe you are riding a bike maybe you are taking a hike maybe you are what your friend mike i don't know all that's good but if you happen to have a free moment and you want to sit down and chill with us and um share uh we'd love to have you on stage so uh yeah i see uh nft ignition julia lee um nick.btc who's been quite on console a lot this week um gabe yeah you guys are all invited guys girls everyone um Everyone, everyone is welcome. And um, yeah, so please just uh, raise your hand and we will get you up. We'd love to have you all as part of the conversation. Um, let me check in with a few people and who are on stage right now and just see how we are going. Mic check, mic check. Evan, how's it going? You there? Hey, yeah, I'm here. Uh, Chris, I didn't know you were like Dr. Seuss man today. It's great to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I rhyme in uh, nursery rhymes, basically. Well, I got some rhymes, and they're basically nursery rhymes. <laughs> That's my rap career. Thank you. 
uh great to have you evan we got titus titus what's up man the dad vibes on this call are just through the roof i love it we just you're like bitcoin dad now i love it um uh, dr seuss castiglione there you go <laughs> i'm about it no uh, thank you and you know honestly like the the levity is necessary in a market that is bullish bearish all of all the markets like we need to I guess we need to remember that a lot of the things that sort of inspired this tech are meme based sometimes. And that if you don't have humor, then you have nothing. Like in a lot of ways, like we, we need to remember that the, sometimes, you know, uh, standards are based on teapots, you know, like there's things like that, you know, like it just uh, non sequitur is good. Yeah. Well, I, I can't pretend to be trying too hard it's just kind of the way it's going to be from <laughs> if you're hanging out on this pod this podcast people on a podcast actually it does become a podcast every week because we have the wonderful finn from terra space who makes it a podcast every week so um but yeah thank thanks titus i think that's the way we're i meant it as a compliment i think that's the way we're rolling <laughs> i appreciate it um awesome and we have uh julia if julia wants to give a shout there hi what's up so glad to have you Awesome. Okay. Um, great, great. Well, um, not too much news up front. Um, I think, you know, the only thing that's that's really interesting in the world of console this week, I mean, there's always things, but um, but I think the thing that's most on my mind is definitely had a lot of interest from some new groups. And um, yeah, so I think it's just going to be really exciting. There's some groups starting and minting this week that are starting some new consoles and we're slowly starting to grow um one by one with communities uh everyone who's on console now we've had a lot of applications but really the best way to get on console is just to tap me on the head right now and dm me and basically anyone that comes to the twitter spaces i've really been prioritizing to get on there and so we had a lot of great people from last week um we have some fun announcements coming up from uh, from different communities, so I'll let them do the announcement when they're ready. But um, but yeah, so if you'd like to get involved, um, let me know. Uh, one community that's been really interesting um, on Friday, there's the BNS community, which stands for Bitcoin Name System, um, and that is similar to ENS, which I know a lot of us are familiar with here with this Ethereum. The .eth is Ethereum and .btc for Bitcoin. Um, yeah, little known fact, but Bitcoin.btc is one of the oldest. It may be the oldest decentralized naming system. It started in 2014, which is hell old, <laughs> really old. Um, has a long history um, on the Stacks uh, network. Um, and at the same time, objectively, the ENS, that ETH, um, is way larger just in numbers and growth. And, you know, I think my feelings on this have always just been in general i just want sovereign identities to grow and proliferate and i think we're all basically working together to help learn and grow this world um so um i you know so i share that because if anyone does show up on the bns community or you're listening to this afterwards in the recording. Um, I, I, I know that there's a BNS DAO, and um, I think this Twitter space could be a great place for a lot of you all to come, and we could chat with the ENS community and see what we could learn from each other. Like I said, BNS is, I think, the oldest decentralized uh, naming system on a blockchain, and ENS is the biggest one, so there's a lot to learn there. Um, 
I threw a link in to something called BNS chat, which is a console community I made on Friday. <laughs> I just wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I had a lot of really great feedback from the BNS community. And I've been taking a lot of um, one-on-one uh, little phone calls, like just little um, you know voice voice calls online and, and getting a lot of feedback and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I, I would love to grow that out. And you know, it also gives me the idea for possibly making more utility for ENS too, like how we could bring chat to ENS. Um, I think console could really be part of that, maybe making a ENS chat. So these are some things on my mind. Um, it's just been really cool to get a good reception from the BNS community. And yeah, I would invite that if anybody has questions about that, if you show up or afterwards, hopefully we could learn, we could each teach each other and learn and all work together to make sovereign identity um, a thing on the web as we evolve the web. So yeah, that's, that's something else on my mind this web uh, this week. Um, with that said, um, I think I'll just open open the, uh, the floodgates. Anybody that has questions and, and maybe just check in with... Uh, what have now become my co-hosts, Evan and Titus and Julia. <laughs> so uh, yeah, what's what's going on, Titus? What's on your mind today? Sorry, I thought I unmuted there. Uh, many things. Um, I Yeah, so many things. Um, I guess maybe the first thing is how much caffeine you've had. But no, but seriously, the, um, it, it's good to see people like, you know, hyped up about a thing. I'm actually curious about two things. The um, how close are push notifications in console? Because that's one of those things that I feel like is a mass adoption requirement thing. And, you know, the privacy aspects of that, of course, are a big discussion I think we can go through. But also, um, I guess that's actually enough to start with. Yeah, when you say push notifications, I think of a few different things. Um, we have the desktop app, we have the iPhone app, um, but it's only for a few of us who are testing it at the moment. Um, so do you mean specifically with the desktop app and, and the iPhone app? Or or do you mean notifications that are like also email notifications or just kind of like all these notifications? Like, yeah, everything, basically. <laughs> I'm curious, though, make sure we have, I, we're doing it the way that you would like to see it done. What, what, what would you think is ideal? First of all, all and yay. Um, so... If I were to break that down, I would be talking about in-browser push notifications, like you know, like uh, like if we got a React Native style uh, alert in the browser. Um, I I've actually broken down push notifications to all the things. Um, so if it was the iOS app, it'd be Apple, like um, the push notification service APNS, or I think it's just APN, whatever. Um, and whether or not like new notifications of messages can be either pushed to the browser as a a native browser notification or to desktop or to mobile as a desktop or mobile notification. Interesting. Um, what is a browser push notification? Like I'm kind of imagining, cause I think I have mine turned off, but is it, is it like in the top right hand corner, you'll get like a little kind of fade in kind of thing. Well, so web.dev covers this pretty well, but the idea is, um, can you create a, a notification that is background like aware? So like if there is a page open and you've given it permission to provide push, then once you've gone through that flow, um, it's basically it's a like a pub sub style model, like you can deliver messages um, out of the browser, uh, like the tab itself. So outside of that window, you get a notification just like it's native to the um, desktop OS. So that would be a way to do it on web, but not mobile web. Um, on mobile, you need a mobile app, and then you need to do 
whatever platform you're on would need to support that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so yeah, push notifications are really important. I, I think they're coming this month. Um, if anyone using console noticed, we, we have the updates feature, which is kind of like your inbox. And the idea has been, you know, right now you're in a lot of discords or telegram groups. You have to go into each one often and check, or you just get tons of, you know, alerts. Um, and we really have, have what we call the inbox. And that is the idea that like across all your communities, you should be able to within console, just have like a clear feed basically that you can get, you can make yourself right. Um, we're working on that right now. So that's kind of our own internal way to notify you of where attention should be. Um, and yeah, definitely push notifications for the for the desktop app and for the iPhone app. But um, but yeah, you're teaching me a little bit. I haven't seen web.dev, I'm looking at it now. And um, yeah, maybe this is something we should consider. Actually, I don't know that we've looked into this. Um, so thanks for putting it on my radar. That could be, that could be cool. I didn't know that within the browser, you could push something out of the browser. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad I could mention it. I, I don't want to take over the call with something Web2, but, um, or call, take over the spaces. But yeah, I mean, it's an important thing. I think uh, for stickiness, I think that people are eventually going to demand or otherwise, you know, need this for a community to truly adopt if they use it for something other than just kind of general things. But you did mention some things that are also important, like email notifications, like there could be digests or, you know, like I think the, the power in a messenger is giving people the messages they want at the time that they want them. So some, for some people, a digest is perfect. For some people, they're never going to want a notification at all. And some people want it like subscribe to one channel, but not another. Yeah. So I think that power would be very nice. I love that. I love that. Um, amazing. Yeah, this is all highest priority for april so yeah i'm hoping hoping to bring that to you i i think that is like yeah i mean i my hope is by may 1st we're able to just share the desktop app with anyone that wants to come to console hq and just put it on the website because we get a lot of traffic on our website um but right now you actually can't join console and i think some i think some of the things like that you're mentioning i think push notifications are, are among the biggest things that we just want to make sure the people who are friends of console who basically DM me and I send a link um, or share on this Twitter space. Um, yeah, that, that they're, that they're sitting up, but I think you're totally right. I think push notifications brings it to a whole nother level. So thanks Titus. I really appreciate that. That's good feedback. My pleasure. I, I know that we were going to talk web three and I, I sort of do. <laughs> um, I've had uh, a lot on my mind lately. Um, I think uh, one of the things that's been really interesting is that, um, Arbitrum had a first their first improvement proposal, like I guess it was AIP one, and um, they I think it was like eighty no seventy eight percent people um, voting the voting power of seventy eight percent of people said no we don't want to allocate funds to operational costs administrative stuff and they started doing it anyway and I find that really fascinating uh, in a really bad way which is if you're creating a DAO you know if you're creating a structure that has what I would describe as, you know, an autom automated process where people do things and as a result, something else happens, yeah. like, you know, disbursement of funds or whatever. All that really tells me is that not only did you not create a DAO, but I, um, you shouldn't trust the thing that's in place, even, even less than you normally would. So um, not really a good look for Arbitrum or for the ARB token in general. Yeah, and maybe we could define what Arbitrum is a bit. I think I love the idea of this 
space being a chance to educate and sometimes slow down and ask some questions. So um, as far as I understand, maybe you can educate me, um, Arbitrum is maybe the number two L2, layer two for Ethereum. So basically another chain that helps speed up transactions by using this second layer. Is that is that basically what Arbitrum is? Or, I spoke for probably 30 minutes on spaces recently oh, wow. about layer twos. So it's it's a fun thing to talk about. Um, so basically all layer twos are roll-up style transactional things. They're, they're exceptions, but um, it's a fun thing to talk about because what we're really talking about most of the time is scaling Ethereum. So it's offloading work. Yeah. Uh, you take um, a bunch of things that you want to do and you go, hey, you do this instead and then give me a mathematical proof that says you did the thing. And depending on the logic, there's um, there's two different types. There's the uh, ZK EVM, which is, um, or actually technically there are more than two types. So those are the most popular ones, the ones that we actually see. Uh, and there are ones that um, say, okay, um, this is all verified by me and I'm sending it back to you. And then there are some that are, they call it optimistic. And optimistic is like, um, we're going to assume that all transactions are good. And then if we find evidence otherwise, then we submit, I think it's a, Oh, there's a, there's a term for this, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it's basically a um, a fraud proof. That's what it is. So a fraud proof gets issued, and that goes in with the the roll up, I guess. And so yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing. And Arbitrum is one of those many. So yeah. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. And I, I guess the question, you know, the issue of the news that you brought up, it's like been all over the news the past twenty four hours, crypto news. Um, is that I, I guess that there was this proposal. <laughs> that there was a vote and and i guess essentially the people at the top of the dow basically did did not follow the vote is that is that basically the news <laughs> am i getting that correct so it's one of those situations where they decided to reframe the purpose of the mm -hmm. vote so that they could do what they wanted to do so it's like rewriting history and going oh this is actually a formality like it doesn't matter it's the, it's a test vote or whatever and I mean, it, it couldn't be further from the truth in a lot of ways, but the important thing here is that if this vote and any future vote serves any purpose at all, it's that these things have an automated distribution. So like that, if this, then that happens, like if vote equals 51% of vote or whatever the threshold is, that funds are automatically dispersed to wallets that are predetermined. But if you're just voting for the sake of voting, then you're really just allowing anyone to rewrite the definition of anything at any future point, which is probably not how a DAO structure would work for really. <laughs> um, In fact, it's the opposite of a DAO if it's not automated. It's the opposite of a DAO if it's anything other than just, you know, decentralization and automation. That's the definition of a DAO. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I just want to, I see some new faces in the audience. If anybody wants to jump in on the conversation, we'd love to have you just, just click and raise your hand or ask to be a speaker. We'd, we'd love to have you, everybody. Come join. Um, that's cool, Evan. Do you have any any thoughts on that? What a, what's your take on on that news? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Titus obviously is like the technical guy. He always explains it so well. So I'm not even gonna bother with that. You know, he nailed it. Um, but yeah, no. So I feel like the I I completely agree on like a non technical side. Even just like think about it from like an incentive. Once a once the trust is lost in a brand, a chain, whatever, it, it's very much hard to build it back up. And, and obviously, these are decentralized applications, or they're supposed to be. So, like, they're in theory supposed to like withhold the test of time. But if you're not 
like a Bitcoin where you're like completely in theory, like decentralized in the standpoint of you're not changing the the current standards of what the protocol runs on. And so if you're not that, which that you know, DAOs obviously have to have some change. They have to there is obviously still a lot of um trust involved. And so I just think even from like like Titus nailed it on the technical standpoint, but even on a just user standpoint, it's not a good look. I th- there's so many different layer twos that are going to be competing over the next 5, 10, 20 years. The last thing you want is for your own trust, your own community to, to like second guess what you're doing, especially so early on. So yeah, I agree with what Titus is saying. I don't have anything to add to the technical, but these these DAOs, I think, if anything, are kind of going backwards in a lot of cases. And I um, I really um, hope that users like vote with their feet and kind of spread the message via social media, like to you know go against this because users really do control the landscape of where this goes. And you know we could easily conform back to like an FTX and a Web two era if we don't you know push back and so no yeah titus is right you know dallas need to have automation and this is farthest from that uh amazing um i'd like to kind of um yeah just share maybe a bit of a contrary point of view uh only you know as a way to learn uh and uh also some i'm just i love i see john is in the audience would love to have him come super smart dude um working on neo swap in the audience so always welcome to come and if if anybody sees him feel free to follow him he's a he's working on some really great stuff um uh and uh i think i wonder about how we start projects because we want things to be super decentralized and i think bitcoin in my eyes at least you know has the most <laughs> decentralized i mean somewhat objectively has the most decentralized um history and operations of governance um that exist um at the same time i wonder if i i feel like that's rare like i feel like the super decentralization from day one is rare and i wonder if um i I always look to open source this is history of open source as a way to learn lessons about launching projects on the internet which are open source projects which are you know um all these l2s and all these projects and a lot of them have leaders you know they start with a leader and a foundation um and i think there are some negative things too about you know just having the majority vote especially in the early days when you're trying to have leadership i mean maybe the lesson there is like if you don't want the vote, don't ask because it does give you, it makes you appear to have a double standard. It makes you appear to be posturing of like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, we're going to, we're a DAO, but DAO in, you know, name only. And we're going to, we're not really a DAO. Um, but I do wonder, I wonder because I've watched, you know, Building Console, we've interviewed a lot of DAOs. Um, and most of them, like percentage-wise, um, I would say are very scrambled and, you know, have a hard time making decisions. And um, I've sat in a lot of, you know, Twitter spaces for them, and it feels like anyone can get up and talk. And sometimes I would just want to be like, oh, my God, just make a decision. So I myself am, like, a bit conflicted. And I'd be curious, you know, Titus, Evan, or if John gets up, you know, how you guys think about do certain types of projects need to be more decentralized from the beginning versus others? Or is it everyone? What, what do you guys think about that? You mind if I jump in on this? Yeah, one? go for it. So 
I think projects have a general sense of knowing what they need. Um, the idea behind voting and DAO structures and things like that is to empower a community to, dr to drive a project. Like imagine, hypothetically speaking, let's say console was a DAO with uh, a token that allowed people to vote based on that token. And you had a roadmap and you went, okay, well, push notifications, um, uh, the Android OS app, um, and you know, something else like, I don't know, like, uh, emojis inside, you know, like, uh, reactions were three options for the roadmap and the community got to vote on the roadmap based on, you know, their token strength or whatever it is. Um, from that standpoint, um, if someone voted for, I don't know, emojis instead of like push notifications, it wouldn't derail the product. It might, you know, it might not, you know, suit your roadmap super well, but the idea is the community has spoken. And if you want that feedback, then, you know, yeah, take a vote. If you don't want that feedback, then don't take a vote. And if you don't want that feedback and you're not actually a DAO, don't call it a DAO. <laughs> I mean, it's just not that hard. Just be honest from the get-go. And, you know, if, if a thing is a DAO, then it should have an automated component. If a thing is not a DAO, then it should not. And it's not like Arbitrum is like underfunded or like having problems hiring or anything like that. I mean, you know, I, I can't know that for sure. But based on the fact that they've successfully launched a layer two, you know, there's probably some engineers there and they probably have the ability to build a little bit of DAO automation into a thing based on all the other code that already exists to do that. So if they wanted to, they would and they could. And then all they have to do is, you know, launch the DAO when it's ready. I love that. Uh, I see John jumped on stage. Did you want to jump in, John? Well, I think that when it comes to, I mean, I totally agree with the idea of automation here. And I also think of a lot of this comes, the frustration comes down to the rules changing, right? That we, I mean, just, and the ultimate example of this, of course, is Bitcoin, where the rules, hopefully not, we'll see about the, um, you know, the, the block reward and if that has to change someday. But the promise of Bitcoin is the monetary policy isn't going to change. And so you can plan around it. And I think that that's why, where the automated component of the voting comes in, is that there's a reliability and that, you know, okay, whatever happens, we all know the rules, the rules aren't going to change. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely agree that sometimes complex decision making is not well suited to that kind of a um, inflexibility. And it was, it was probably just a mistake. It remind, reminded me a little bit of like Brexit, where they took a vote. And then when the vote was over, they're like, oh, no, we, we shouldn't have the vote. <laughs> so, you know, uh, they actually went through it with it in, in the UK, but they, um, you know, they tried hard not to. And it was the same situation here. So I think really it comes down to picking decisions where, like people just need to be able to know what the rules are and count on like the house are a good tool for that. But they, it's not one size fits all. So I'm watching my daughter here and she's three and she's trying to get a sack. So I'm going to stop now. Thanks, John. Um, that's really clear. Thanks for sharing. Great to have you on stage. Uh, Evan. Yeah, I'll add to what John was saying. Like, I completely agree. I think, you know, there's going to be like, you know, a spectrum of decentralization across different things. And I'm not going to get into like the DAOs because I think, you know, there is technically for some things like, yes, you either are or you're not. But just as a whole with protocols, I think there's decentralization as a spectrum. It's not just one thing, yes or no. And I think it's okay for projects to, you know, go on a spectrum and to go from centralized to decentralized in certain ways. But like John said, it, there is something about the, like what I was trying to get at with earlier, something to be said about the user and the trust. And like, no, no matter what you're doing, there has to be something to be said for the users and the community being empowered and the community understanding what's going on and not going back on it, like John's saying. And so no matter what the standard is, you know, even ENS and everything, they don't necessarily start out as a DAO. They don't start out at whatever. 
But over time, it's like once you launch something, once you say you're going more decentralized, you shouldn't go back on it. So, you know, I think it should be a cautious thing that people should slowly over time, like once you open that Pandora's box, don't try shutting it down. Like you should really be careful of, you know, um, like not you basically are promising a certain set of features or users are kind of getting accustomed to like what they think a current model is. And then if you go back against it. So I think, you know, users like, for example, Lens Protocol, it's not always decentralized but we know what we're getting with that and so i understand that certain aspects are decentralized and i think it's better than the alternative in a lot of cases and so i'm willing to use that but if you tell me something's going to be decentralized in this way and i you know maybe i buy tokens for it or i you know financially i change something in my life or my business because of it and then you go back on it that's a whole nother thing and so i think they like brands just need to have that you know thought of trust in mind you know just because these are decentralized applications does not mean that the user's thoughts don't matter like they 100% do and if anything you know because it's decentralized and because users can vote with their feet even more on web3 it should just be something that you it moves slowly towards gold you shouldn't necessarily push something and then work backwards like it, it should be a slow process of slow and steady and making sure that everything's right because once you like release something you're stuck in mud i think that you know like people say it's better to release something late than it's to release something that's a bad product so take your time if you want to decentralize no one's pushing you to do something fast just don't push it say you're going to do something and then go back in your words i think that's more important than even decentralized or centralized in this context at least yeah well said it's funny the, the thing that came to mind for me i started thinking as evan was talking should console be a DAO. Obviously, we've thought about it. Somehow ended up in our Twitter name, so we've clearly thought about it. Um, and I also started thinking of you know the way that Elon had the vote for Twitter, and just the way that voting you know affects how we build apps. Um, and then you know I just had this idea come come into my head of, in some ways, like <laughs> I'm gonna get a bit, a bit philosophical here. But in some ways, you know, I, I think capitalism and the entire world we live in is some kind of DAO of voting because we vote with our dollar. And I think we're all voting all the time in the free market of where we want to put our money. And often it's, you know, where where money flows is where decisions get made. Like a company, if they're making millions of dollars on a certain feature or a certain product, they're going to double down on it. Like look at Coke and Pepsi, it's basically sugar water that, you know, is these billion dollar empires. Um, but I wonder what we're trying to do existentially with Web3, where anyone can vote, and it just seems like it almost doesn't even matter if you are invested in the project, if you're spending money, if you, you know, I think to me, that's where the leadership does make sense and thinking about console too it's like you know i i really respect the leadership of everyone in this room because i see people who show up every week and people are sharing feedback but i i don't even have a question just kind of an observation of just thinking about like are we trying to evolve capitalism with DAOs where it's just like democracy and maybe we just need better rules around how some of these voting things happen because it just seems so arbitrary sometimes where i don't know uh, some of the voting in DAOs, it just seems like anybody can vote and it's like who are you to be voting i, I think empowering users as stakeholders um is probably the structure that we want most in that um as a community effectively i mean this, it doesn't always work this way but a lot of times a project starts with the idea 
that will sell something with a promise. It's kind of like, like dealing with a politician. Like they, they sell you an idea that they're going to do, um, maybe it's, you know, they're going to further ed education in a district or whatever, and you vote for them based on that platform. Um, in this case, you get a non-fungible token sometimes, maybe you get a fungible token other times. You know, however you buy the thing, at some point you become a stakeholder as a result of owning the thing. And then you're supposed to theoretically shape the project or maybe just observe the project and benefit from it. Or maybe it's a piece of art. Like whatever it is, that's fine. But, um, you know, it, it's maybe more about do what you say in this case, I think. Uh, and if I pay for something and it says, you know, the paper dollar is worth a dollar, then I want it to still be worth the same amount of bread, you know, two weeks from now or whatever. Um, and capitalism doesn't really give us that either. Um, we get the dollar that's worth, however, you know, many dollars haven't been printed since. So um, I, I feel like there's, you know, um, so Blake, for example, um, does a lot of uh, discussion about sound money, uh, a Ron Paul original thing I, I, that I'm not an expert on, but the idea that gold and silver, for example, um, are actually, you know, <laughs> they're, they're not tied to inflation in the same way. And so, um, but we don't accept them as legal tender but they're in the constitution, just, you know, a U.S. based aspect of, you know, looking at money a different way. And I, I do like the idea of being able to do something along the lines of voting, like explicitly, not just buying what you have to buy with the U.S. dollar or with whatever currency is, is local to you. And I've actually thought a lot about that. And it's possible um, to do local tokens, for example. Um, I have a, uh, a gold looking coin, not made of gold. Um, that is valid across a number of towns in the San Francisco Bay Area, north of the Bay. Um, and it's accepted at all of those places. And it's really awesome like that. But you can spend locally and you can invest locally. And that way the money kind of stays where it is. Um, alternatively, even more fun would be a system of spending, for example, let's say I spend some ether um, at a local shop. And in return for that, um, there is tracking of what I spent and where, not in a bad way, but in a decentralized, autonomous, maybe anonymous way, um, I suddenly have voting on local measures. You know, I have a, I've become a stakeholder just by being a user. Um, and I think we can empower communities as well as, you know, the world by allowing us to influence local things by spending decentralized. Well said. That's cool. I've heard of local currencies. Um, I've never used one myself, but I find that it's an inspiring, cool idea. John? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, actually, I'm going to have to go because I have to carry my daughter. But I want to say thanks for having me up. It was nice. Thanks to so you. much, John. Um, great to have you. Come come anytime. Um, amazing. Well, I think uh, another topic uh, that I wanted to discuss this week um, that Titus had brought up um, was something called BRC20. Uh, so here at Console, we have token gating for ENS, for BNS, for NFTs. On smart on uh, on Ethereum on Stack, so the idea is we're building out token gated communities um, based on a variety of different things, and this is all live right now. Um, and we're we're very curious, or we're looking into ordinals and what that means for bringing ordinals, token gated ordinals, and everything that's possible with Bitcoin to console. Um, there's some constraints and some things we're trying to you know figure out, um, but working with a few communities and trying to learn more about that. Um, BRC20. I, I don't know much about this. I read an article or two, so I don't know if there's more that anyone can share. Titus, Titus mentioned it to me uh, earlier today, so I'm curious what you see. Um, but essentially, BRC20 is like 
I guess it's a play on ERC-20 from the Ethereum ecosystem. ERC-20 is the standard for making tokens on Ethereum. So basically, Ethereum is the main token, but you can make other tokens, I guess, like the Uniswap token or other random tokens that you want to make. Um, but BRC-20, is, is it possible that there will be a way to create tokens on Bitcoin? Uh, Titus, tell me more. <laughs> so, I mean, in some ways, this is a lie. And I'll tell you like how I feel about this. Um, first of all, I like the idea of like defining standards for things that don't have standards. And that's great. And even experimental standards are still better than no standards. And ordinals, not a standard. It's just an idea. It's just something that someone did. And they're like, hey, there's the ability to put this thing into that. And you know, maybe you could call it a standard as a result of that, because it has to have some structure. But it wasn't a standard that was like community defined in the traditional sense. Like um, ERC is Ethereum request for comments, I think it is. Just like, you know, there's request for comments and many other things. Um, and that's great. But Bitcoin doesn't have that. It has BIP, Bitcoin Improvement Proposal. So what someone has done is they've gone, hey, this has a similar name to something that people trust. I'm just going to name, I'm just going to name my website brc-20.io and pretend that there's an experimental standard that people have sort of like iterated on. And that I'm not really a fan of. Um, I, I want it to be legitimate and I want it to be part of a system that already encourages and you know, would establish standards. And instead, this is more of a web two play on a, you know, it just feels like a way to, set the, to sell an idea without really taking the proper channels that the community has already defined for it. That being said, um, if people are doing more Bitcoin things or, you know, NFT things, then that's great. Um, I just wish they'd be legit about it. You know, I, I just wish that they would use what I would describe as proper channels that the community has defined instead of sidelining that. And also choosing BRC20 is kind of like really confusing because I feel like this is more about ordinals and that's more of a 721 or 1155 thing in the ERC world. So, so many things. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you had mentioned this to me and um, I had read an article or two. I, as I started digging deeper, it got a lot of media attention, decrypt and everybody covered it. Cause I think it's the kind of thing where if it's real, uh, it would open up, I don't even know, billions of dollars. Of, I mean, if you look at ERC 20, it's like this huge thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the more I looked into the code, it's basically like people are just uploading uh, ordinal inscriptions that are just some JSON file. Like I don't, I don't quite understand how this becomes uh, a real thing. Um, so yeah, like there was also the dot sats S A T S name, which was like a sovereign identity on Bitcoin. Um, it's been soaring. People have been buying them. I bought a bunch, but I'm still skeptical. I haven't seen any use cases like with ENS or BNS to actually make that work. It just seems like people uploaded JSON or just basically key value pairs like JSON almost to the Bitcoin blockchain. So. I don't know. It's cool, but not sure what's going to happen with it. Um, uh, if anybody has anything else they want to add to that, I think the one thing I will say, though, is um, I do know quite a bit about um, SBTC, and I don't think it's gotten enough attention, but SBTC is going to be essentially what we're talking about here with creating tokens on Bitcoin. Um, and it's, it's using, it's an upgrade coming to the stacks blockchain later this year. And the really kind of novel thing to explain here 
is essentially allow you to, it gets a little technical, but essentially lock up some Bitcoin and have derivative tokens. But you would be able to do it all with on the Bitcoin blockchain. So it essentially just locks it in in a decentralized way and allows you to basically do Bitcoin DeFi essentially to to have a smart contract that makes a swap. Um, I'm not as expert to talk about all the mechanics of the consensus protocol, but I will just say it's definitely something I'm looking forward to and and learning more about. And I think that that may potentially fill this space of where all this BRC20 stuff, which looks a bit thin, um, SBTC has its own white paper. And and I think there's a lot of potential there. So that I'm going to continue to learn more about and uh, invite anyone to share about that if they want. I see Moonverse just jumped on the speaker. Did you want to add something? All right. Well, whenever whenever you do, because I see you seem to have a lot of DeFi <laughs> in your profile, maybe you could share a little bit. But um, yeah, so uh, very much looking forward to that. But yeah, the BRC20 thing, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. Um, yeah, anybody else wants to jump on stage, raise your hand. You can ask any questions about console, anything on your mind this week with decentralized social media. If you want to share something you're working on, any questions, we'd love to have you. Yeah, Titus, go for it. Hey. Um, this is all really good. I think um, I, I sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel like I'm a little hard on people for inventing things sometimes. And I don't mean to be a dick. Like, it's not about that. Um, I just feel like the permissionless space aspect of Web3 sort of encourages people to do things any way they want. And sometimes any way they want is just for attention. And I'm not trying to be mean by that. I just mean that sometimes people don't want to, you know, go through an established standard when they could work together for something. And if, if the actual intent is unity, then working in a uni- unified fashion with the community seems like the way to go. But yeah, I should go probably a little easier on people who are inventing things. Um, and no one's asked me to say this. I'm just saying it because I feel like a dick. You know, I, just, I, I say things and then I'm like, well, that was kind of harsh. But No, I um, love that. I, I, think- I, I think I love the optimism and I'll plus one. I would love this like space every week. I feel like last week we got super optimistic and like <laughs> it was a really great um, chat. And um, I agree. I do think inviting it's so easy to just be a critique critic and just like, you know, poo poo on people's ideas. So I think that, um, yeah, in some ways, just trying things like I do think that that's cool. I, I think sometimes when you see something get a lot of media attention and that's maybe unwarranted, you're kind of like, there's, I think there's a skepticalness to it, but yeah, I, I like that. Let's, uh, let's always, I want to encourage people who are trying to try things, even if they're not, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> um, yes. Console included. <laughs> I'll include, you know. Yeah. I, I think, uh, doing something in the, in the clear and public in you know, transparent fashion means that you're inviting uh, everything from compliments to critique. And so I feel like sometimes the reason that people speak up is because either they're warning other people or going, Hey, why didn't you do it this way? You still can, you know, kind of there, there are opportunities that allow communities to align in the best way. And by best, I mean, most popular sometimes, but best is often most popular as well. Amazing. Yes. Um, I want to, I'm going to chat with Evan for a sec about, um, web two, web three branding and a little bit about what he's working on. And then 
And after that, I want to tap on Ian, who just joined us to give us an update on how Nakamoto is going after the big launch um, last Tuesday. So let's bring um, let's bring Evan on and anyone else that wants to join. I see so many great faces in the audience. Just please uh, tap. Would love to have you up. This is just like a totally casual place to ask any question or thing on your mind. Would love to have you. Um, you could always DM me too if you want to just ask. I can, I, can, I can answer it for you without coming up on stage. I want to be super... Uh, make this as easy as possible. But yeah, let's uh, let's do Evan first, then Ian, and then maybe one more, and then we'll we'll wrap up for the week. So uh, Evan, tell us a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're working on, and um, you and I have been having some uh, chat about brand awareness and marketing facilitated in Web two, and how that extends to Web three. Tell us more. Yeah, thanks for letting me talk about this, Chris. You know, this is something I'm really passionate about. Um, so just a little backstory about me, like I've been doing social media management and just like running different social media accounts for going on six years now. It's just something I've always been like, you know, a fan of. It's not necessarily like, oh, like I'm on social media. Let me go like Snapchat and scroll through TikTok, but more like so from the standpoint of, you know, getting that marketing exposure, being able to find undervalued attention. Um, and so I think this is a really relevant um, topic for where we're at in the world of Web3. Because although I think, you know, Web3 protocols and decentralized social media is the future, the user base is not there. And so one thing I've learned from like one of my favorite digital marketers, Gary Vaynerchuk, is he says, look for the undervalued attention. And currently that is just in Web2. There is no way to really onboard people and have people know about your product or service without being in Web2. I mean, console, I love console, but where are we? We're on Twitter. It is just the reality of the situation. And I'm, and I'm the biggest proponent of decentralized social media, but you have to have that bridge. There has to be that in-between period where you're gaining the attention. And I think I view it almost like attention in Web2 social media is an extractable commodity because you don't own it. So what you should do is just build it up as best as possible, figure out ways to use it for your own good and use that voice, use that narrative to push whatever you believe in and have more um, brand strength and have actually like owning your users by having it in Web3. So I'm just a fan of that. And so with that being said, uh, yeah, I'm working to start my first social media management and consulting firm. And so I'm doing that, you know, based in like the ENS world to start, I think, you know, that's where my network is. And that's where, you know, there's a lot of different people in the ENS community who are building decentralized websites right now. They're building applications with their, ENS. And so I'm really pumped to just help people spread the message with social media. I, you know, I can't necessarily relate to some people like Chris or Titus's technical background, but social media is my strength. And I'm a big believer that everyone has a strength in their life and they just need to utilize what they're best at. For me, that's social media. And so I'm just going to do whatever I can to amplify other people's voices because whether, you know, social media can be used for bad and can be used for good. And so I just think having your own voice and being able to have your own narrative is really important because if you're a brand if, or if you're you know a well-known figure, there is going to be a narrative about you and you should be the one to tell it yourself. And I think we see so many brands learning about that. So, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. And thank you for like letting me talk about it. Um, I pinned it up to the top, like my first um, client that I am announcing working with. Um, I'd really appreciate anyone following my account, ENS Media Group. But yeah, I'm just pumped to be you know working in Web3 but trying to pull people from web two, you know, it is one of those balances that as much as, you know, I want to be in web three, it's just not the time from a social media standpoint. And so the, there just needs to be that bridge. And that's what I'm working on. Amazing. Uh, Titus raised his hand right away. So tell us what you're thinking. 
Uh, mostly congratulations. Um, I, and I agree in, in general sense, but to be specific, the, um, the strength of individuals in Web3, I think, is a reason the Web3 is so interesting and potentially diverse. Um, that we have more to do in that, in that world, uh, more onboarding for you know, people who aren't really building it right now, because right now it's just a bunch of tech bros, um, and then a handful of other people percentage-wise. But we're getting closer. And I think uh, onboarding women to Web3, for example, has been the big initiative that I've seen more of. That's a beautiful thing. Um, can't encourage that more. But yeah, uh, play to your strengths, absolutely. Um, very deeply important. And yeah, that's basically what I wanted to say about that. Incredible. Yeah. Um, congrats, Evan. That's awesome. Um, Ian, just tell? Yeah, Evan, I'm, I'm interested to know what you think about you know what what you're saying about where the communities are and and you know web 2 versus web 3 kind of social media but at the same time like it feels like web 2 social media is a lot top down right so like brand or company pushing a message creating a narrative um creating that culture where web 3 kind of leans into more like the community kind of creates some of that culture and and um branding almost in a sense right like board apes has its branding almost due to the kind of people that get into that and and i'm curious to kind of know what your thoughts are on how you leverage a community to help build the brand and the social media presence um from a web3 company so it's kind of like leveraging web2 tools to create that like new web3 community yeah, Evan, um, I don't know if you want to reply to that. or Yeah, could you repeat the end of that? I couldn't really hear him. I think it cut out or Twitter, like where I can't like hear everything he said. So sorry, I was just trying rug. I heard some of it, but the end just didn't hear. Just hard rug. I also like maybe made zero sense in that at all. But basically, like, you know, how do we utilize the community, right? Because Web3... I might have to drop down. I can't hear him anymore. I don't know what Twitter's doing. Sorry, guys. Oh, no. Is it me? Am I just being, is it, is it my side? I have I a feeling hear. that he's not like Twitter doesn't multiplex every conversation at the same time. Sometimes if there's any kind of brief interact and like if, if your, um, if your pipe drops, then you lose the person until they come back or you come back. And that's just really annoying. Oh, wow. Um, well, well, okay. Well, hopefully, hopefully if Emma comes back, I could hear both of you fine. Um, the other solution is for one person to read or repeat what the other person said. So that could work. Oh my gosh. Chris, Titus, do you, does, does what I'm saying like kind of make sense though? I'm curious to kind of like know your guys' thoughts there too. Sure. Um, so are, are we talking about like how, like, is, is this a narrative focused question? Like, do you think, uh, could you rephrase the question in a simpler way? Okay. So I guess getting back to, to where communities and like traditional social media marketing like really comes from in web two is it feels top down, right? The brand is announcing things. It's setting the tone of the community where web three, it feels kind of the other way around. Like the community can kind of set the tone and a lot of the marketing and tone of the brand. So how do we kind of leverage that more um, like how can a web two company leverage that web three business model of using the community to help market um, closer into web three? Does that make does that make sense? 
Love that. Evan, are you there? Do you, like, I can take this if you're not hearing Ian. Yeah, I heard him. Thankfully, awesome. sorry about that, man. Twitter just like sometimes bugs out, and like it, I don't know what was going on, but um, yeah, no, that's a great um thing to talk about. And so I would point to like go look at Coca Cola, go look at um Nike, go look at some of these Web two businesses that are starting to experiment. Um, I'm not saying they're all perfect, but or actually Puma is another great one. Um, I think what they're starting to realize is uh, they're not willing, and and I think other people in the communities are, are seeing this. They're not willing to like risk their main business just because obviously the brand's so valuable. But like in Puma, Puma's example, they're literally going to create a new line. So they have Super Puma, which is their own NFT, and they're you know starting from Web3 ethos. I think that is like going to be the trend of either Nike, where they bought out RTFKT or whatever the terminology is for that, their NFT project. Artifact. Yeah, I fucked up that one. But anyway, yeah. So I just think. You'll, you'll see where they're going to start in the Web3 world, I think almost completely new, where they'll bring their name, but they don't want to necessarily draw all the users in from the Web2 world because those Web2 users don't really believe in the Web3 ethos yet. They don't understand NFTs. They don't have the, uh, the behavior to be able to use these applications. So what they're going to do is build from Web3 inside out and then hopefully if they build something successful, then more users will come as the NFT space grows. I think that's how a lot of projects are going to do it. And so I think launching an NFT, launching something and having Web3 um, ethos from the start is really important. You know, that is the way to empower users. Because if we start from, okay, the brand owns everything, the brand owns the logo, the brand owns everything, and you're just asking the user to like build something for you, it's just not going to work out. You need to airdrop an NFT. You need to enable them to have IP rights. And so I think that starts with just being full-time in Web3 as almost a separate entity from their Web2 and over time probably bridge that as more users come to the space and as the um, Web2 users understand what it is Web3 is. Hopefully that helps, but yeah. I'll chime yeah. in a tiny yeah, bit and answer for this as well. Um, so in the Web2 world, in the, like I guess, product-focused world of Web2, like you buy a thing and you're done. It's not a membership typically. It's not some sort of thing that has this ownership rights that are you know visible it's like it's not transparent you buy a thing it's a private purchase you take it home you put it on your wall you eat it you do whatever you do with it and it's done whereas with web3 sometimes you're buying a promise sometimes you're buying a public thing sometimes the thing already exists you can do with it but what i guess the difference is there is you're building community typically from the get-go to try to do a sale that is somewhere in the future so i think the the power in marketing and you know building this i don't know like incentive focused uh, trust model where trust is so important is that you build trust with the community by doing community building. And then you, you take those people and you go, Hey, um, I want to do something organized with you. So here's the initiative. Like here's the thing you can do before launch. Here's the thing you can do during launch. Here's how you share and you empower that community to go, Hey, um, since you trust me, or if you trust me, go market for me, you know, without using those words, of course, it's more like, you empower them and maybe even reward them to get the word out about the thing. And then that model also stretches to the, you know, the token resale secondary uh, value price of the thing. So, you know, I mean, like it's, it's a little of everything, but it's a lot of community. Yeah. I, I, um, even with Ian's question, like I, I almost wonder though, if sometimes it's like a false narrative that web three starts from the ground up. I mean, sometimes it does like with super decentralized i don't know bitcoin or ethereum like these pro these massive projects um at the same time it's like a lot of 
Web3 apps, I mean, console, Nakamoto, like, I mean, in, in some ways, it's like we're leading these projects. I mean, there's community engagement, but it's not like it just kind of, you know, um, like some meiosis or something like splitting of ideas just percolates into some big project like randomly like through evolution or something um there's leadership um and so it, it is more uh, there is an opportunity to be more community driven um but i might just kind of pivot that thought to um i don't know like what are we really trying to do like if we try to imagine a better world in 10 years from now um you know what what are we trying to do i don't think that we can look to the brands like puma or i don't know lamborghini necessarily to come up with like the things that are best for a user on internet or best for <laughs> users even i don't know i think they're going to act in their own best interest and that's fine and i think lots of experiments are needed um but maybe as us being our own leaders of our own projects and you know on behalf of everyone here that's in this conversation how we might create products that are last a long time and create meaningful impact for our users um i don't really have the answer but i guess just one place that i'd kind of want to point to is just thinking about what our choices incentivize and cuz all these choices incentivize some behavior and you know if puma I don't know. I'm, I don't know all the details about the shoe company Puma launching an NFT, um, but I know a lot of these, like Puma or Lamborghini, Lamborghini, they they'll just launch. They'll be like, "Hey, we're selling for a limited amount of these things and purchase, you know, this thing." It almost feels some pyramid schemey because it's like this is what Titus was talking about. It's sometimes you're like kind of buying in membership for like a future utility. Um, I would be curious if there's projects that are just rewarding people with NFTs for purchasing power, maybe like if I, you know, if I'm like a frequent flyer kind of member of some company, maybe because of that, I should, I should be rewarded or be part of that tribe or have some vote or something. Um, that's just some, some thinking about like flipping it on its head, but I'm also curious the bigger question of like what we're trying to incentivize. Cause I think, I mean, anyone on this call right now is leading in web three. It's very small. There's, there's probably less than like, I don't know, 50,000 people who are in. This. So I think, you know, what, what do we want to build? I don't know that we figured it out yet, but if anyone has some, something they want to add, I'd love to hear it. Oh my God. Yeah. Go I'll just, it. I'll just jump in. And so I think you're right when it comes to applications. And I think there's just going to be that big difference. Like, are you a brand or are you an application? Sure, applications have their own brand, but I think there's a big difference between like a user interface brand like Coca-Cola versus like what you're building with console. I think like you, like with an app application, the goal is to empower the user by making a great product. The difference is like with a brand or like an NFT project, it's the goal should be in Web3. How do I make the user a part of the brand? How does the user build the brand and get ownership in the brand that they're building? And so there's a difference, I think, just between an application and a, a brand because, you know, there's just, you know, different um, goals. And so, yeah, you know, there's going to be like, I think it's like pluralism. You know, Vitalik talks about that. There's many different answers. There's many different um solutions for whatever the goals of you know whatever the brand's trying to build and so i just think um yeah i think also what you guys were saying web3 probably will be the ones to innovate you know board a club came out with the ip use 
with NFTs. It wasn't Nike. So, and, but what happens is the, the innovation comes from Web3, but then other brands will adopt it. Board of Yakov was one to say, hey, you guys can utilize the IP in full rights. Well, then, but now Super Puma and uh, Coca-Cola and whatever, Nike and all these other projects, they're utilizing it. So it is that great like, aspect of Web3 where if other people don't innovate, the users and the people in the communities will innovate themselves. And that is like a great aspect of like free market ideas and free market capitalism that can't always be applied as much in Web2. And that's nothing against Web2, but I just think Web3 has that awesome nature of like the community empowers each other to build even more than prior. Uh, thank you. And Ian? No, I love that. And I think everything that everyone has said is totally right. And I think the question really stems from, I do a lot of thinking about, you know, how, how do we create brand members? And I guess a brand member can be defined as somebody who, you know, if you say, if you're selling a product, right, if you create um, t-shirts, like a brand member is somebody that doesn't think about any other brand, but yours for a t-shirt. So they don't think I need a new t-shirt and they go to a store and just get whatever they need. They come directly to your brand. And so and anything, we're always trying to create brand members, right? And you can look at companies like Nike or Disney or BMW, and, and they've done this really well, right? I mean, like my grandmother has driven, I think, 16 BMWs. She refuses to drive anything else. And so it's just interesting. Then it goes, I think, to what Chris was saying is it all comes down to incentivization. And, and then there's like the marketing aspect of that. So it's how do we incentivize people to become a brand member, but then incentivize them to also market this for us as well. So aside from just driving the cars around or whatever, it's like, you know, we're talking about social media. Is that sharing or is that, you know, becoming a brand advocate? Is that holding Twitter spaces for your project? I think it's just interesting. And, and I was just curious on everyone's thoughts on that transition from moving a consumer from a native like web to consumer um, to this new web three world. But I love that. Thanks, thanks for letting me chat. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ian. I love this, um, the term brand member. Um, it, in, in specifically, I think it's useful, but it just reminds me, I think having vocabulary to describe new, a new evolution of roles and ideas does help because it's so common to just kind of keep pointing back and being like, it's this, it's this, but you know, um, if it's a brand member in web two, we had like influencer, whatever it is. It's like, I think the terms can help us distinguish and maybe speak more clearly. Um, so that was like a really nice kind of clear moment. Um, let's just do Titus. And then I would love Ian to share an update and then we'll, we'll, we'll wind down for the day. So Titus, what's up? Nice. It's nice to talk about brands too. Like, um, a shoe store doesn't need NFT collection or, you know, a, a life, you know, that kind of branding type situation, but like maybe, maybe Puma does like a lifestyle brand, like a company that goes, Hey, you know, like I wear this thing because I like not just the way it looks, but I like the company that, you know, puts out the things that does the stuff. And yeah, like you're, you're creating like an ambassadorship for these users. And I think any digital version of that, you know, maybe it looks to use, um, Chris, to use your example, um, the, you know, the NFT ticketing system, whatever, uh, which, you know, then by extension becomes a thing that allows you maybe access to a whitelist for other platforms that are doing 
uh, travel things that allow you access via maybe token proof or something like that into an airport lounge because you have an NFT of some category of thing. Uh, or better yet, you know, you go on console and anyone with NFTs related to a ticketing thing where they've become gold members or whatever all have their own chat where they talk about travel hacks. Like the um, the possibilities are endless. But the important thing here is that I think reflecting real world activity and utility as things that can happen in real world and digitally, bringing people together, um, you know, incentivizing through provable things, you know, blockchain things. I think there's, you know, there's a use case that's built into everything there. And to the communities and to the people who go like they, you know, they shell over a community, but there's an NFT there. Why can't they just build utility for some other collections NFT? Like that's the part that always confuses me. Like a lot of people complain, very few people execute. And so that's one of those things that I'd like to see more of as well. Well said. Thank you, Titus. All right. Finally, um, uh, Ian, I would love Ian is working on Nakamoto one. Uh, Nakamoto one is the first interplanetary scavenger hunt, I believe, <laughs> or space race um, is how it's described. Uh, I'll let Ian give us an update. They did a mint last week. Um, I know it was uh, a bananas mint for the, <laughs> it was all over the place with the NFTs and, um, uh, and also Nakamoto one is, uh, on console as well. It's been really exciting to see the evolution of the community, um, just in the past week. So yeah, give us an update on the project. How is it going? Um, any learnings or any, any big surprises in the last week? I'd love you to share that with us. Yeah, thanks. Um, learnings and surprises is always everything with this project. Nothing with this project has been easy. Just when you're sending something to space, um, there's always uh, crazy roadblocks that you were never anticipating. So, um, but no, it, things have been awesome. It's been super fun. So, um, last week we did kind of like a surprise. Um, um, I don't even know if you want to call it a mint. It was like a mint. It was a pre mint. So basically what we did was we, we minted a hundred of our level one NFTs and we pretty much gave them away for free on gamma. Um, so we, we did, uh, we listed them all for one stack. And, um, that this was like kind of our way to do like a pre whitelist, um, mint and kind of reward our early community. And it, um, it was a little bit crazier than we anticipated. So there was over, um, 10,000 stacks in gas spent, um, for these NFTs. And then we ended up just doing a, um, a refund for everyone that didn't, uh, get an NFT, but spent gas. So we ended up sending, uh, it's like just over 3,500 stacks, um, back to wallets that didn't end up getting an NFT. Um, so, and then we've been trending on gamma. So we're like the, we're the number one in the 24 hour while all of this was happening. So it's been super exciting. Um, so we did that as just kind of like a little kickoff to get our community seated and get people excited. Um, and then we've had somebody move all the way up to an Android NFT, which is really like the final community that um, you want to be in for the Nakamoto project. So there's different levels and you kind of work your way through that. We have a burn mechanic. So you have to collect certain NFTs in level one and level two, and then you get to this Android NFT. So we've had our first Android, which is super exciting. Um, and now we're just kind of like hitting it really hard with marketing and getting this out to as many people as possible been like tweeting at elon all day um telling him that we're putting doge on the moon but it's super exciting we're getting excited for um nft nyc we're going to be out there and saying hi to everyone and showing face and then um our big our big event is going to be in um 
in Miami for Bitcoin Miami. So I actually just got off a call with um, a special person that we're planning um, a super epic event for. So <clears throat> more details to come there, but we're going to be minting um, just before Bitcoin Miami as well with like our, our full main mint. But yeah, it's been amazing. We've had great, great response. And um, it's always interesting telling people that you're sending Bitcoin to the moon. They just like, are like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And you're like, no, no, no. Like actually on a SpaceX rocket, like we're going to send it to the moon. Um, so, but it's been a lot of fun. So I'm super grateful for, um, you know, everyone's support and, and Chris for the platform to, host our community and also give me the platform to come up here and talk about what we're doing. And yeah, it's been great. Thanks, Ian. That's so great. Um, you mentioned NFT NYC and you mentioned Bitcoin Miami. Um, I will be at NFT NYC as well. So would love to um, meet up with Ian. Anyone else that's listening that would like to meet up why in, why in uh, NFT NYC, or if you know somebody I should meet up with, um, Give me a DM and give me a shout out. I would love to connect. Um, I don't know if anyone else on the call wants to share that they're going to be there. If you do, you can uh, just give a 100% right now and I'll say your name. <laughs> but I don't want to. It looks like Evan will be there. It looks like Titus will be there as well. Uh, and Ian, so oh, there'll be quite a few of us there. Um, yeah, let's all let's all meet up. It would be great. And if anybody else, um, yeah, just, just DM us and we could all meet up. It'd be great to meet up in person. Um, Cool. I think next week would be fun to um, the Monday maybe talk about what we're looking forward to and NYC and oh, I can't say it and with the NFT and um, yeah maybe we could share some some things um, that we're looking forward to and maybe some some learnings as well afterwards. Um, I think we're gonna it's gonna be a lot of cool stuff going on next week in New York City. So awesome. Well, with that said, um, very grateful for all of you. Very grateful for this time to learn and explore this space um, with such smart people. Um, so thanks for your time, everybody. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Titus. Thanks, Ian, for coming up. Um, everybody in the crowd, NFT, Ignition, Julia, Angie, um, Lafina, Eve, Gabe, Blake, as always, the Messiah. We got everybody here. Uh, thanks for coming. Really appreciate you all. If I missed anything, DMs are always open. Let me know. And otherwise, next Monday, I'll see you same time here on Twitter Spliffiv <laughs> at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great evening. Talk to you later. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Console AMA, recorded on Monday, April 3rd, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke rolls in when I start a session. Plink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain got the taxes included Acting like a writer never felt secluded
get into the shit and line them up. Just another fixed game of try my luck. Go lighten up, dog. It could always be worse. Unless you're in the back of a hearse. Then you're dead or put it in new speakers. It's a toss-up driver or just tweakers. Don't stress, yo. I've done the research. Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs. It's a remake. Off the cutting floor, we take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake. Tastes great, less filling. Less stress, more killing. As he blew the cornerstone out the building. And the blocks came tumbling down all humble. Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle. Rebuttal? I should be taking off in the shuttle. Getting high in space with the Hubble. Spaces.